and welcome to Quarter Time Podcast. I'm Lucy G. And I'm Lucy P. And we're here to bring you all the netball goodness you never knew you needed. Hi everyone and welcome to another super special bonus episode of Quarter Time. So following our bonus episode last week to discuss the coaching group announcement, we are so excited to be interviewing England Roses head coach Jess Thurlby to hear her analysis of the 24-player Roses squad and seven-player Roses Futures group for the upcoming international window. There are a lot of familiar faces in that lineup with the likes of Helen Housby, Sabrina Guthrie and Jeeva Mentor, along with some new joiners this season in Rhea Dixon, Hannah Joseph and Hallie Adio. Interestingly, in terms of the UK-based players in the Roses and the Futures, 75% of them are currently playing for Bath, Lightning, Pulse or Rhinos, and seven of the 11 Vitality Network Super League franchises are represented in total. Let's dive straight into our chat with Jess, where we dissect the squad selection process and how she manages to whittle down the huge number of talented athletes to decide who will represent England in the next international window. So we are so delighted to once again be joined by head coach Jess Thurlby. Jess just can't get enough of us. How are you doing? (laughs) I know, I was thinking that twice in as many days almost, like we're doing well. (laughs) I feel like I now feel like I might make it onto your leaderboard of guests just simply because I've been on twice. (laughs) Amazing. So we obviously had the announcement this morning, which is very exciting. So firstly, we wanted to ask you, Can you please talk us through how the selection process works? So we know that there are selectors who play a significant role, but do you get the final say on who makes the cut and how much do the assistant coaches contribute, bearing in mind they were only found out last week as well? Yeah, no, it's it's a really important question to ask. So thanks for the opportunity to share that because it's it's a really rigorous process. and it's designed to give every athlete the best possible chance Like we're on their side. We want as many of them to be performing really well. So um, I guess the, the process is we will observe when I say we myself, um, head of selectors and also a group of selectors, observe, rank, assess every England eligible player's performance um, as soon as Super League kicks off. And we were doing that way back, even when the pre-season matches were taking place to help inform selection leading into the Legend Series. So it's a, there's a, a lot of data that's gathered on, on the athletes, which is brilliant from my perspective. I can tap into that and kind of align my insights with what, what all of those selectors are seeing as well. And then we do that for obviously the girls that are, that are applying their trade overseas. So it's exactly the same process. We assess in rank against their performances in the SSN and ANZ. So really lucky to have a group of selectors that do that. And, and then it's a there, there's many steps to that process. So obviously athletes that have been in the programme, they have individual performance plans. So part of them being a rose is that we're working with those athletes in terms of measuring and benchmarking their performance and improvement across all areas. And then as we get closer, myself, and you're right, you know, the chair of selectors, myself, plus one other coach from the senior coaching team. So that can vary depending. So in answer to your question, those assistant, Sonia wasn't in place. So that would have been another senior coach that worked with us in that space. 
which aligns with the selection policy. And then we kind of make sure that we combine objective data with some insights from their clubs. So invite head coaches of their Super League teams or SSN teams to kind of comment and give us an insight, really acknowledging and being respectful that they, at this time of year in particular, they're working with them day on, day out. And so it's really great to get a bit of insight that's not just simply about fitness and their technical and tactical ability, but a bit about the person that they're getting to work with and their coachability and their behaviours, which is really helpful. And then we kind of, you know, we'll have several conversations there on in with all that information available to us. The, the wider selector group, so they're almost like scouts to a degree, are invited to share their insights and inputs. And it allows us a chance, as I guess the final group of three, to pose questions just around what they're seeing, get their insights, thoughts, positionally. And then the three of us really hash out the final decisions, really. Um, but I'm well supported in that process. And obviously, I want to end up with the team that I think is the best possible group. So I feel well supported, but I'm checked and challenged along the way. Um, and rightly so. Uh, but we've got lots of evidence. It, it needs to be an evidence-based process to keep it fair. And yeah, I, I feel very confident in that, uh, in particular this year more than ever. So yeah, and then you get the output at the end, which is today's announcement. Amazing. I have this image of you with just like loads of pictures of everyone laid out on a table, like <laughs> shuffling and moving. You've been watching too much reality TV. That, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. one of those that singing programs, isn't it? Where we can't <laughs> see the faces and Simon Cowell's moving them around. I'm not yeah. quite that bad, but I am quite <laughs> visual. So you're spot on with that bit. And so you've touched on it there, but what sort of proportion of the decisions is based on, you know, cold, hard data like stats, performance analysis and the sort of numbers aspect compared to the decision based on your knowledge and understanding of the player on a kind of interpersonal level? Yes, again, a really good question because you can't you can't not bring into the room prior knowledge. So it has to be weighted towards that data and the objective information, because obviously there are athletes there that we won't know. Um, as well, which is why I guess we try and get a real rounded view and and look to invite feedback from a number of different people from multiple environments, have multiple eyes across them multiple times. And that's kind of a saying that our new performance director, David Parsons, has used throughout this process. And that's what we try to make sure we've done. So I think in order for it to be fair, then it's really important that, you know, the weighting is is much heavily towards that objective data but obviously some athletes have been on longer journeys than others so Mm. the data that we have available to us is different so then that's where you kind of have to use your coach insights and that of the selectors to kind of build that picture um, and then make the best and most informed decision that you can I've obviously got a number of other factors that I need to consider in terms of the here and now what you know their potential in both the short but medium to long term to make sure that what I'm doing is creating an England team that can sustain success year on year but that I don't lose sight of the challenge that's right in front of us which is we we want to regain that gold medal you know it's back out there for anybody it's not ours we don't own it we own the 2018 one but the um the 2022 one is back up for grabs so I there's a lot of other things that I guess in my role I have a duty to consider across that space and for me the environment is everything in preparing a team to reach the ambitions that we've got so It's really important everyone that's included in the program is going to add value and compete and raise the standard of training, both from a culture perspective, but also what we can put out on court. So 
there is no place that's handed out easily you know positional balance is one thing but it can't be the only thing if we haven't got depth mm. and quality then we have to i have to find other ways to create that competition because otherwise i think you can almost compromise too much on that and end up just going for numbers and i'm all about depth and quality um, and having one eye on the future is really important because you can help accelerate those players quicker if you get the mix and the balance right across the player group so um yeah i'm really really happy with with how it's gone it sounds like the most enormous head scratching <laughs> kind of jigsaw puzzle that you could possibly have but what an exciting one yeah. so we're going to turn our attention now to the big ins for the squad. So the major players are Rhea Dixon, who, of course, has had a standout season for Rhino so far. Uh, potentially after some time at Storm, where I don't think we necessarily saw the best of her. Ella Clark, who's been in or around the England setup for a number of years. And of course, uh, Hannah Joseph, who's been the linchpin in Lightning's attacking end so far this season before her injury. We only have a limited amount of time and tons of questions. <laughs> so we're just going to pick one of these ones to delve deeper okay. into. And that is Rhea Dixon. So talk us through why you've given her the nod into the squad. Yeah, I think I think you're right in terms of Rhea's not new to Super League um, and she certainly was knocking on the door of some England age groups back in the day. So I think what's great is she's got a newfound energy for me in this Leeds Rhino setup. She's really found her niche in that goal attack role. But I think it's the combination around her as well. You know, Brie Grierson, Jade Clark and, and then Danelle Wallum. Who, who much has been spoken about, but also Sienna Rushton. So I think they've just got a nice cohesive unit there, which seems to be playing to everybody's strengths. And the strengths that I see in Rhea is um, she's got great vision on the ball. She's a real playmaker in that goal attack role, very much like a Jamaican goal attack. So can can both deliver balls that you'd expect to see from a wing attack role, but equally can get herself in and around the circle and be very creative. And I think there's space for that in our programme, you know, in particular in that shooting end, I think uh, there's room to have something a little bit different. And I think Rhea really satisfies that and will add something, a, a different mix, I think, and a different energy in that space. So yeah, I'm, I'm just really pleased to see her with a smile on her face. I think she's really enjoying her netball. I think she will say that there's work to be done, absolutely. But you know, what an exciting um, potential that she has, but also what she's already been able to demonstrate across the Vitality Super League so far. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be great to have her in the group. Yeah, the transformation of her in, you know, this year has just been absolutely outstanding and she's such an exciting player to watch for sure. So after the ins must come the outs and there are a number of key names missing from the programme, including Ebony Zero-Brown, Jodie Gibson, Kadeen Corbin and Kate Shimmin. But of course, we also know that athletes can be chosen for the Roses via the P3 route for specific test series. So can you tell us a bit about what the decision making process is like having to accommodate for people's personal circumstances that mean they might not want to participate in the full-time program but are still good enough to be selected for competition? Yeah I think first and foremost those those four athletes that you mentioned I want to say a massive thank you and a congratulations for the contribution that they've made up until now into this Roses program some over an, a really extended period of time others kind of in and out uh, and Kate most probably the newest one to the program um, since I came into the post so that they're all brilliant athletes in their own right and hopefully they'll continue to have fantastic seasons in their respective clubs both here and overseas I've had really lengthy conversations with all of those four players and very much I want them to be playing well. I, I want them to be doing a great job. I want them to be knocking on the door. Somebody like Ebony has only ever been in the programme through the P3 route. So this isn't mm. an omission in, in her situation at all. It is 
very specific to each of those people's situations. So for Ebony, you know, her job as a as a solicitor was the reason she's always entered um, that Roses programme through the P3 route. And that remains mm-hmm. the case. And, and on top of that, she's now a mum. And neither of those things should ever be a barrier for her to want to put a hand up and come through the P3 route. And that would be the case for any of the others on that list. You know, we have a limited number of spots in this programme. We have the, the greatest, I think, competition for places than ever before. Mm-hmm. And they have found themselves on the other side for, for different reasons, I would say, for all four of them. So I really hope that they do you know, continue to play really well. I think the desire in all of those is is that they want that, but their situations are so different, which is why they absolutely deserve the respect from me to have those individual conversations. And it's not something I'm going to go into detail on on here. It's very personal to them. Um, but yeah, just to reassure fans out there who I know I'm going to get bombarded on social for why have you not picked her and, you know, the fans' favourites for each team. I think firstly, people have to express an interest and have the desire to want to be a Rose. Um, And secondly, just to reassure everyone, we continue to assess and rank every England eligible player now, right through to the end of both SSN, ANZ and Vitality Netball Super League. And if at any point, we'll we'll conclude that with what I think will be an athlete, a a critical athlete list, people that are already on the radar, but for whatever reason, haven't made this, this first selection. And if we feel that they're genuinely challenging people for a place, we will reach out and invite them in through that P3 route. And they'll come into a whole camp. They won't just come in for a couple of hours. I think that isn't fair. You know, it doesn't give give them the best possible chance to shine. So we're just kind of tweaking that P3 route, but it it is absolutely still there. So yeah, those names are the obvious picks uh, and quite rightly for you to kind of throw at me. But I'm really assured that actually the door remains open and those that are in the programme have given themselves the best and strongest chance, I guess, to build connections with each other. But we've some, seen some great examples of athletes coming through on that P3 route that have gone on to do brilliant things for the Roses team. So, yeah, who knows? Never say never. Exactly. And I think actually it gives those who have made the programme, they've almost got to sleep with one eye open because they know that there <laughs> yeah. is an absolute wealth of talent mm. just ready to sort of take that spot. So it just increases the level of competition, I think. Yeah. And Looking at the squad that you've got, you've got so many great experienced players to choose from, as well as a plethora of young guns. And it's amazing to see Chelsea Pittman included in the group after somehow not being able to secure a playing contract in SSM, which I find mind-blowing, after 2020 is potentially one of her best seasons and she's one of the best wing attacks in the game. So how do you balance maintaining experience versus introducing newbies into the squad? Yeah, it's it's a really good question because I'm I feel like it's always been how I've approached my role as a coach. So whether it's been in this role or whether it was in my previous roles or within the team bath environment, I I've always felt really fortunate that I think I've got a good grasp of what it is to develop people at the same time as as absolutely knowing that our currency is to win. You know, like you're working with teams, ultimately that's what people expect. But I, I, I have always felt quite passionately that you can do both, always. And I think that I think as long as you get the balance right in any team, um, you will reap the reward of that. So I think in this group, you know, there aren't many surprises. There is there's only four players that are new to the full time program, and even those aren't completely new. You know, Hannah Joseph and Ella Clark have been in the program before. Hallie has been promoted and graduated from Futures into that. So they're not completely new. Um, And the remainder have been there for a decent period of time. And I think that's about right when you're heading into two big competition years. It it introduces a bit of freshness, a bit of challenge. Um, But at the same time, we're building on the strength 
um, over the last couple of years where we've seen people really put the hand up. You know, people, I think when I first entered the job, you know, the, the Razia Quashis of the world, I don't think people would have named her in their top three or four defenders. And now people can't stop talking about her and are excited mm-hmm. about what she's been able to do on an international stage. So I think, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think <laughs> you can do both. And I guess that's the bit that I really enjoy about the job is what is that balance and how do I kind of future proof the sustained success of this group? And I think you've got some great examples like an Amy, uh, you know, an Amy Carter that's been in our futures program the last few years, but it didn't prevent her stepping into a Nations Cup squad, um, mm-hmm. getting her first cap, but doing that, you know, alongside somebody like Jade Clark. And then you've got Jade Clark, who's able to maintain, sustain her performance levels at the, what is the tail end of her career. And I just think there's there's so much magic in that, which is why for me, it's always about the environment, including that player group and the selection of it, which does the work for me if I get that bit right. And that's how I've seen it play out over the last 18 months is it's absolutely doing that. And I think that's testament to the player groups and the character and the culture that I'm fortunate enough to work with. You know, people like Serena they genuinely see what they're doing is far bigger than just for their own benefit. You know, they they absolutely want this England team to do well. They they are energised by youngsters that come in that don't have 100 test caps. And I think there's real benefit in not always having a long history, you know, not being the team that have maybe always fallen foul at, you know, the final stages of a competition. You know, some of those players like Joe and Jeeva and Serena and Jade, they've waited decades to be able to win a gold medal or make a final. And and people forget that they were always the bridesmaid and never the bride for such a long Mm. time. Now that builds huge mental toughness and resilience and they have now done it. So we've got the evidence of it, but you couple that with people that don't really know anything about that and don't really need to and and then that for me reinvigorates a team and I know you know Serena and Jade have said that themselves are absolutely loving either their vitality super league environments where they're rubbing shoulders with the younger younger ones and it kind of gives them the next level of energy to kind of put out another couple years worth of hard graft on the back of what's been a 12 13 year journey already so yeah I've got complete respect for the group and I think this is a great greatly balanced um, squad coming into the program this year. Yeah, I don't know how the likes of Jay Clark do it. I can't even get out of bed without clicking <laughs> and falling apart in the morning. So she's just superhuman. <clears throat> Another thing that we noticed from the squad is that there's a huge number of players who could have potentially contended for a spot, particularly in the futures selection, but missed out or maybe didn't put themselves forward, such as Tash Pavlin, Alice Harvey, Rachel Shaw, Jazzily O'Baron. There's loads of them. So where do you currently feel like England has the most depth at the moment or which areas if any have slightly fewer players weighted in the wings I kind of look across the the whole group including our futures and I'm I'm quite confident really and hopeful at the depth because you know you listed some names there there's even more you know I could I Mm. could add loads more in terms of across the court across the positions that are showing promise and need to be really well supported on that journey in terms of their development and stage of development I don't have any major concerns if I'm honest I think yes there's been a lot of chat around the wing attack position but then I look across you know and that hate on Thwey at Chelsea Laura Malcolm, Brie Grierson being in the futures, we're, we're not mm-hmm. sure of, of actually quality across these positions, but absolutely do I pay attention to that? Yes, of course I do. I think we've got some athletes that are that are going to be going into a Commonwealth Games or World Cup that are definitely at the end of a career, not the beginning or middle of one. And I've, you know, I'm, I'm more than aware of that. So understanding where that conveyor belt of players is 
are, are getting ready. You know, they need to be roses ready by the time that those potential athletes retire. And, and I think we've got a really open and honest environment. And they, I will be well aware of kind of the players' intentions in that space. But for the foreseeable, everyone's putting the hand up. Everyone wants to be considered. They're fully committed. They're on the journey for the next couple of years. And I'm, I'm feeling quite clear as to who the emerging talent might be. Uh, so I don't have any immediate concerns in the positions. I, I think, you know, in the group that we've selected, I, I think we've most probably got the most talented midcourt and competition for places in the midcourt than an England team have ever had. Uh, and then I look at the two ends and I think, wow, you talk about quality. We've definitely got that in abundance yeah. and we're starting to get some real competition for places. I think it took a long time. Like I, I think back to when Pam was playing, you know, and then when Pam retired, I don't think we did necessarily have a Roses ready goal attack. And I think we're in a good place now. I think attention's been paid to that. It sometimes just takes a little while. If it, if if you lose a year or two and you've not paid attention to it, that will come back to bite you later on. Mm. So I, I'm certainly kind of excited by the talent that's coming through and paying real attention to that. You know, yes, my my time and energy is spent in terms of what this next international calendar looks like, but I'm doing that on behalf of all levels because I know the importance of that, even journeying from a Commonwealth Games into a World Cup. You know, we have to be ready um, if anything was to change, even if it's through injury. Um, so every athlete in this programme will be given a, a really great opportunity to get match minutes under their belt across multiple levels of competition this year. Um, and I think that will either reap reward for them now or it certainly will reap reward for the team moving forward. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't have any... Why? Where do you want to play? Where did you want to get picked in? <laughs> well, I'm a mid-quarter and uh, Lucy's I'm a, a goal shooter. shooter. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we're back. We, we are a bit stacked in those areas, if I'm honest, but you can give it a go. The P3 route, you can give it a go. Amazing. Mate, I'm five foot four. Name. Does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I don't, I don't have any, I never put constraints in like that. I like people I, to prove the theories wrong. <laughs> yeah. I heard Sam Bird say she, um, she, you know, she's five foot three. She had no right to be playing for England. And I was very inspired <laughs> by that, to be honest. <laughs> Looking at the squad list in general, there's a fantastic mixture of those in specialist positions, uh, like Chelsea and Jeeva and those who have multiple positions like for example Laura Malcolm so we were just wondering how much emphasis is put on versatility in today's elite netball landscape yeah really interesting question again I think it all comes down to balance you know ultimately I can't I can't select a team of specialists going into a, a Commonwealth Games but also you have to I think you just have to be really clear as a coach in understanding your players. So who can really take on the challenge or shows the capacity to play more than one position at the level that's required to play day on, day out for eight days with your best performance coming in the last few minutes of the last match against the world's best team? And some people have that skill set and some don't. Others are kind of showing potential for that and it's really worth investing in. So I think at the minute, we've certainly got some specialists that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even attempt to try and get them to be able to play another position because they they show signs of being world class in their own right and then you have others that maybe it that are at a different end of the spectrum of their development that actually I would I would be doing them a disservice if we didn't continue to explore that and a team needs a combination of the two so I, I think every coach will have a different view as to how many specialists you can carry in a squad of 12 um, and I guess you overlay that, then my job is to understand that if I wrote 12 names down now for Commonwealth Games, have I got everything in that 12 that can go out against the four, five, six different styles of play? And then overlay that with the individual matchups that we can pretty much anticipate. 
that are going to go player on player in some of the top teams in the world. And that, I think, once you go through all of those questions, you start to unearth the answer, or it certainly tells me where to pay attention over the next 12 months if I don't yet have that answer. So I, I love the mix of it. I think it. I think we've seen somebody like Nat Haythorn to weight cover both wing attack and goal attack. But equally, there's real challenge for her in that goal attack space now, which is great. So do we need that as much as maybe what, what the team have needed from her before? And, and I think you have to... We always have to remember that what we're preparing, what this programme should always be doing is preparing a group of athletes to be able to play tournament netball to the best of their ability. And ultimately, you need to know how to manage a group through tournament netball. So that in turn will kind of inform how many specialists can I afford to take and at what cost does that come in terms of some of those other questions I mentioned. So it's not a clear cut answer. I know I don't, I very rarely give a clear cut answer, but it's because there are so many layers to peel back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we've got all the ingredients in this group. So that's the bit I'm really looking forward to. The journey over the next six months is kind of unearthing where I need to pay attention um, to give the team the best possible chance of success. Amazing. And how big a role do the coaches at the Super League franchises uh, play outside of the Roses setup? So I think you've mentioned this briefly, but for example, if you look at Laura Malcolm, she's quite recently added that wing attack string to her bow. Is that something that was you know, requested by you guys in terms of, of the Thunder setup or how much sway or influence is there on the franchises? First and foremost, the franchises and the coaching staff are an absolutely integral part to the success of this Roses team. Uh, I, you know, I would want to congratulate them on all of the successes. This this group of players announced today represents seven of our VNSL squads, which is brilliant. And I'm really grateful to the work that they're doing. I don't see the or touch the athletes from February onwards. So, you know, the 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 players that have got picked is is because of the work that's being done both in that environment and our own. And I think you're right. You know, my relationships and communication with the VNSL clubs is is absolutely key. And I think when I came into the role, there's there's some work to be done there and, and still some work to be done there around building that kind of trust and that relationship and that strength of relationship where people are all on the same page. We, they want their players to do well. They want England to do well. The impact that has and the ripple effect that has across our league and for the sport is massive. So in that sense, I know we're all invested. But then, you know, each club has their own right. They've got their own brand, their own style. They might have injuries. They've got connections which better suit that team. They've got import players, which I don't have in a Roses setup. So they, they've got different challenges, which they have to carve out and feel like they have license to do that. For me, it's all about relationships. I feel like my time spent in Super League has afforded me the chance. I know the teams really well. I know most of the coaches really well. Um, so I have to... I have to make sure I know their intentions with their teams as well as convey what the intentions of the Roses programme is. Um, but somebody like Laura is a, is a great example. You know, when I first came into the role, she was one of a number of athletes that I think have all the prerequisites to play across multiple positions. Laura was really up for that. You know, she wants to make this England team. So w- we've paid some attention to that, not instead of wing defence, not instead of centre, just in addition to it. And and then when she re-enters the, the field back at Thunder, they also were playing her at wing attack because they had some gaps in their team. So she became that player that they have got versatility from. They lose somebody like Emma Dovey and that completely changes it for Karen Gregg. So I have to be respectful of what they have to do in order to reach their ambition of winning the Vitality Netball Super League. And I think as long as there's really great communication between the club, the player and me, then I think, you know, we can journey with that and, and I can pick up where they leave, you know, where... Super League leaves it 
and I can build confidence with those players in a different way during the Super League season. So there's lots of ways, I think, to kind of work. And my intention with those Super League teams is to get out into their environments more regularly when it's appropriate, you know, not to be a distraction and to absolutely open the doors to the Roses programme and our camp-based programme to make sure that they can see and hear and feel what we're working on because there's only so much that can be done virtually and through email uh, and I'm much more of a kind of people person get in see it work with it tell us what you think and see it through through our lens and vice versa so that'll be my hope as we come out of Covid it would have been something I would have wanted to do a lot more last year but sadly the the, uh, shutters came down on Rose's camp and we were in our pods and had to get our heads down but um, yeah certainly an area that I really look forward to um, investing in more. Yeah, absolutely love that. And I'm very conscious that we've got very little time left and you probably have a number of other interviews after us. So final question, at what point do you start to formulate the squad for the big old com games taking place next year? Uh, it's it's always ongoing. It's always ongoing. I was jo- I was joking with somebody the other day because I constantly like I, I dream about it. I write my I write the <laughs> squads out. I challenge myself. People will ask me. I ask people, <laughs> put people on the spot. Um, no, in all seriousness, it's ongoing. I guess our, our international calendar is nearly there. So really hopeful that that will hopefully be an, another really positive piece of news in the coming weeks and months. And I think being clear around what we want to achieve and what we actually need to achieve to give ourselves the confidence going into Commonwealth Games will in turn help inform how I the makeup of each of those competition squads so, you know, it's it, whether we've got a quad, whether we're touring overseas, whether we've got a home series, each of those will be looked at discreetly with the end in mind. So what do we want to achieve by the time we walk out for our first match in Birmingham? Who do we really want to have taken the scalp of and how often and how important is that? So it, I've got some obviously players that will re-enter, hopefully Jeeva and Joe. I've got to reconnect them with the group and I, and the hope is that that will be relatively seamless but I'm, I'm also I've got some work to do there because they have been absent from that playing group and the playing group's moved on and some of the units they're playing in I've got to connect them with people and do it quick so that they'll obviously still need to be a degree where I can do that as well as then get the intended outcomes for each of those competition windows so I, I'm excited by that challenge and the squad will be evolving but obviously I have to give every player a chance to make the 12 and I'm reluctant to kind of conclude that at this stage. I think I've got some time to play with and we should hopefully come out of the new year having had some really great international competition and things will become clearer. And then we still have kind of the Super League season for for any last hits from the players Mm -hmm. to kind of check and challenge where I might be come the end of January 22. But yeah, the the players deserve that. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it's safe to say the Netball family is all behind you and equally as excited as you are. Thank you so much, Jess, for your time today. We wish you and the athletes all the very best with the programme and can't wait to see you all back out on court. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this super special bonus episode of Quarter Time. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Quarter Time Pod for the latest netball updates. In case you haven't caught up already, don't forget we've got Lisa Alexander talking all things leadership on episode 13, as well as another bonus episode on the Roses coaching squad announcement for you to listen to. Both of these are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all good podcast providers. Make sure you check it out. I promise you won't regret it. Thanks, everyone. We can't wait to bring you another episode and even more netball chat next week. Bye.